Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world's sounds. This week's episode features Brandon Wazelnuck, the CEO and co-founder of Tattoo Hero, the destination for connecting tattoo enthusiasts with tattoo artists. Hey, Brandon, thanks for joining us today. Hey, how's it going, Franco? Good, good. Um, so let's kick this thing off. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, yourself and what you did before Tattoo Hero. So uh, before Tattoo Hero, I mean, I went to college. I attended Algonquin College for a two-year marketing diploma. It was called the Business Marketing Program. Uh, before that, lots of stuff. But professionally, the thing I did just before starting Tattoo Hero full-time was work at IBM in the business analytics sector. I was specifically an investment lead for business intelligence and predictive analytics, uh, as well as a communications sort of strategy guy. Um, Before that, I ran the user experience team uh, in the business analytics division doing priorities. And uh, I definitely didn't leave my phone on during interviews. And (laughs) (laughs) I just had to get that on the record. Yeah, for sure. But um, but yeah, and then before that, I worked at Corel uh, in their light apps division, which was a new division they basically launched because they decided they wanted to build mobile applications, uh, both on iOS and Android. And I there was there for six months, basically, and built and shipped six mobile apps. And we got a combined over two million downloads across the world. Wicked, wicked. Um, so can you tell me a little bit more about exactly what your, your day-to-day role was at IBM? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, my first role when I was in user experience was uh, just working on basically prioritization and evangelizing UX as a really important function inside of all of IBM. IBM is historically and still kind of continues to be an engineering-driven uh, company. So a lot of it is just like, hey, we got these features because we think they're cool. And uh, there was a lot of issues with software bloat. So I got brought in to basically evangelize, uh, prioritize, and like man this team of 26 people who had to service like a ridiculous number of products, basically. Uh, after that, I got promoted into the investment role. And there I focused on um, doing internal investments for IBM. So we looked at where we should spend what we called blue dollars. But all that really meant was just the internal resource money. Uh, including like headcount and people, um, and where we would spend that on getting the most ROI. So people would pitch me, uh, as well as like the whole decision execution team. They pitch us and uh, and talk about you know we want to build a new version of like financial performance management, and here's the business case why. Any type of business case you can kind of imagine. There was a sp- some specifics, of course, because it was IBM, but it was pretty general. And it was really interesting. So I got to see tons of business case stuff for like why people needed like lots of money, like hundreds of millions of dollars to build things. So it was really, really cool. Um, I was way too young to be doing that. And <laughs> it was, but it was really awesome. And then I, um, and then I would help with some other activities. So a lot of side project stuff. I wrote, um, I wrote IBM social business, which actually got rolled out uh, across the whole organization. 
um, which was just how we worked internally. So, you know, like when Yammer came around, everyone was like, oh, we can do internal business communications. Yeah. I basically built something on top of what IBM had already built called IBM Connections that did a similar function uh, with a whole bunch of adjustments, obviously, because that IBM patenting is really, really important. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, it was a great job. Wow, that sounds awesome. Um, so how did you and the team come up with the idea for Tattoo Hero? Uh, me and the team didn't. So <laughs> uh, it was all Steve. It was all Steve Tannehill, my co-founder and CTO. So um, the way that it kind of came up was basically Steve's got around just over 50 hours of tattoos on him. Uh, he can't remember exactly. But um, basically at Startup Weekend, we attended, and uh, I can tell that story is more or less men and I worked together at uh, IBM. So I was actually kind of his work manager. Uh, he was a user experience designer, and I was the UX program manager. And uh, I met him, liked him. We worked together for about six months, and I convinced him to come to a startup weekend event with me uh, because I thought, hey, if I bring a pocket designer, I'm the business guy. All we got to do is find a dev, and then we'll have something really cool to work on over the weekend. I'm just assuming that whoever's listening knows what a startup weekend is, but you guys can talk about that otherwise. Um, so we were really excited. And then we met Steve because he pitched this idea of saying, like, I'm tired of people being like, yo, your tattoo is really cool. Where'd you get it? Um, so he was like, I just I want to stop saying like, oh, go, go see this guy, go see this guy, because it's not the right answer. He's like, so I want to build this website that's just going to help people find uh, good tattoo artists. And that's where the original, original idea came from. Wicked. So uh, take us through a little bit more of that weekend. So so like you said, it's, it was a startup weekend. So that's basically a 54-hour rush to kind of build, uh, I guess, a product or a business. Uh, kind of depends on, on your definition of the startup weekend. Um, to present in front of a panel of judges and then there's like three you know top spots. Everybody takes home prizes and then most of the time you kind of continue to work on your business after that weekend because you know, you've only built uh, kind of a minimum viable product or, or just something uh, to kind of show the, the judges. So, so kind of take us through you know, some of the challenges. You know, how, how did you guys go about finding a team? How did you come up with the product? That kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, what's interesting is uh, Min and I actually worked on a different project that weekend. So we did not work on Tattoo Hero with Steve. So Steve worked on it. He had a team of, I think it was six total, including him, uh, a couple designers, uh, a different business guy, and, uh, and some development talent. And then Min and I were working on a different project that was called, um, I don't know, I think it was My Style Guide. And we were trying to build this really cool app that basically helps you find like, what you should wear. And it was mainly targeted at men because I'm useless at that. So anyway, we were working on different things. But what was really interesting was we wound up sitting like our pod of people was right beside Steve's pod of people. So the way the weekend went was Steve would basically start bugging me and men and being like, yo, guys, like, can I bounce this idea off you? Because the whole weekend was about that. It was all about collaboration. It was really awesome to see because no one really feels competitive stuff going on because we're all just jamming and building stuff all weekend. So I was listening to his pitch. I was like, oh, man, you got to work on this. Like, poor Steve, the introvert, couldn't really do the <laughs> pitching so well. Uh, and I was helping them with data and, like, getting a bunch of info together. And, uh, and in return, we didn't have any front-end dev talent. So, like, him and one of his other dev guys, his name's Tyler, really cool guy, was, like, ripping front-end code for us. And, like, so we were just helping each other out. But the, the outcome of the weekend was, like you said, right, you build an MVP. You got something that's, like, really bare bones. It just kind of works. And uh, what happened was Steve, before the pitching started, where the actual judging stuff happened, he came up to Min and I and basically said, like, I'm really interested in working with you guys. I had a blast all weekend. Like, I'd, I'd like to work on this, you know, with you guys 
after this weekend's done and we knew that our product was dead because we had found a huge competitor that was backed by Jay-Z. And basically we're like, this is not... That, that might like, kill it. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, oh, Jay-Z's got billies. Like, we're doomed. So, um, and it had huge traction. Like, I mean, it's doing very well. I think it's called Polyvore. So we were like, there's no way we're, we're going to beat them. So screw this. And um, anyway, so we, we thought that was cool. And Steve actually uh, did the pitch with his, uh, with his other business guy at the time. And they wound up taking first place. So uh, Tattoo Hero won first place, which gave uh, the rewards were like some um, discounts off uh legal fees and stuff a little bit of office space just enough to kind of get you going and uh, the panel of venture capitalists were really interested they loved the idea they loved the monetization of the space um but their biggest thing was just like well it's tattoos and that's kind of niche and that was kind of the big concern of the weekend so we left with uh you know basically making great connections we were really excited and we we started working together pretty shortly thereafter like i think we all got together about two weeks later and then really started kicking things off that's great. I didn't know that. I didn't know um, that part of the story, but that's really cool how you guys kind of just secrets. that's <laughs> secrets. It's kind of cool how that just happens. And I think that's a part of the startup weekend um, the culture, like you had mentioned. So uh, you guys were approached by one of the most respective Canadian accelerators, Founder Fuel. Um, Why did you guys decide to go that route and how did you get their attention? Yeah. <laughs> um, OK, so that's that's fun. Founder Fuel, like, just to correct for the record, right? They didn't, like, call me up and were like, Brandon, we need you. Like, <laughs> I wish, I wish Ian did that, but that did not happen. Um, we, what had happened was we got to the point where Min and I were both working at IBM, doing great, great jobs. Uh, Steve was working at Ottawa Community Housing, great, doing very well, great job. We all kind of had gotten to this point where we had recently uh, attended the Startup Festival in Montreal, and we kind of hustled our way to getting into TechCrunch and VentureBeat. Um, when that happened, it kind of clicked something for all of us. We, we said this was a fun project that that happened. And we said, this could be a business. And it was just that proof point that we needed that this was interesting. So what had happened was we basically started deciding we need to get some funding and it needs to be enough funding for us to try full time at this. So we didn't look for a perfect security blanket. That's for sure. Cause we were leaving very great paying jobs, very secure, um, especially for our ages but we knew that we had to give it a shot. Like, so what happened was I reached out into my community. I talked to a bunch of people. I did my business e-guy thing and just ran around finding all sources of funding we could. Unfortunately, since I decided to attend college, that means that I don't qualify for about 80% of the grants in our city. So unless you have a degree, they think you're stupid and you don't get money from the government. That's pretty much how that goes. So yeah, exactly. So that sucked. Steve, um, you know, and, and, and Min graduated industrial design, which is a degree program, but it doesn't count because it's not one of the scientific and engineering ones, even though it should be. So anyway, we were like, shoot, <laughs> I guess I could swear on the show, but anyway, we were, we were definitely fucked. can, we were really fucking mad. <laughs> and, uh, and then we, we basically reached out to some friends, uh, talked to the great guys, uh, Pete from open arrow. They had gone through founder fuel. We had a great conversation, understood it better. And more or less, we applied, but we applied through back channels. So for us, it wasn't like, I mean, ultimately, we wound up submitting our application formally like we're supposed to. But I talked to basically a few of the startups who had gone through. I got their feedback on it because we were worried like it's, um, you know, it's a good amount of money, uh, but it's also they take a good amount of percentage. Uh, It gave us a great valuation, early valuation. It was like $556,000 or whatever, which honestly, if you haven't built anything is a really great valuation. 
and uh, and then gave us the legs we needed. So through the back channels, we more or less wound up talking to Ian ahead of time, had a phone call with him, talk, Ian Jeffrey, who was the general manager at the time. It's now Sylvain Carl. Um, so we talked to him just at length, understood the program, and ultimately wound up then being asked back to the to the first stages of interviews. And as you know, we were successful with those and then got accepted ultimately. Wicked, wicked. So basically just hustled your way in through back channels and, and just make yourself stand out, right? Yeah, I mean, like this gives me the opportunity to kind of say like, if you're ever going to take funding, like any funding, you definitely want to make sure that you like source check those venture capitalists or that angel. So talk to the people they've invested in before, like mm-hmm. for sure. And for us, it was it was great. We talked to a few companies and all of them had great things to say. They all said they're going to fucking drive you crazy. They're going to push you super hard. They're going to whip you. You're going to work 20 hour days and you might cry a little bit, but like you will come out a better business. You will come out either in a position where you understand what success looks like or in a position where you understand that you will not be successful. But either way, it was what we had decided on as founders is what we needed to do is take that bit of money, go full time and figure out whether this thing was going to work or this thing wasn't going to work. So Sweet. So that's actually a great segue because uh, so what is what is that what does that program look like? What did those three months you guys invested in Founder Fuel uh, to know whether you're going to succeed or not? What did that look like? How did that break down? You know, what, month one, month two, month three, and what did you come out of it with? Yeah. Um, so I think publicly available on Founder Fuel site, you can see some of the slide decks and documentation they use. There's a great slide deck. I think it's like the day one deck. Uh, that Ian Jeffrey went through with us that talked about the three sort of phases and they split chunked it into three months. Um, phase one, I'm going to forget, he has really great clever marketing words for this, but a phase one was basically the like refine phase, then it was the grind phase in number two, and then it was raise in number three. And the way it worked was refine was more or less, okay, you guys all pitched us, you had this cool idea, now you're here, and now we're going to question fucking everything about your idea so it was like all the partners the general partners of real ventures which is the fund that backs uh founder fuel all of them were basically meeting us with like and just saying like so why'd you pick tattoos like why not hair salons and you're like what like so they were literally talking about everything they could and um they just kind of throw shit at you at the same token they were bringing in tons of great mentors and uh and advisors so we started learning about you know, everything from a lawyer teaching us about shred and IP law to like understanding growth hacking from like, you know, some really, really great speakers. So we had a few speakers from Google. We had a bunch of other great mentors and founders coming through. So like the whole first month was a uh, was mainly just learning a crap load of learning and and then spending all other waking hours like refining the product. Um, phase two was the grind phase. Uh, by that point, you were supposed to be in a position where you kind of have an understanding of where you're going. You kind of you've done the refine. You understand this is what we want to do. This is our bet, and you start making bets and writing hypotheses. So they really said, think about what you want to do, write it the fuck down, and then go do shit that proves it or disproves it. And so every week we were kind of running on a bit of like a basically a weekly sprint just um, to validate. So a lot of it fell on me from a business side was just proving whether it was a valid business model at all. Like, can we make money here? Can we do it here? Can we do it there? Um, where basically Steve and the technical team were just continuing to build out what was our vision and what the website should look like. Uh, then the last phase was raised. 
kind of obvious, but they start doing all the pitch practice and everything that you need to understand in order to uh, raise funding. And they brought in great speakers again. They brought in uh, people from Omers, which is the biggest fund here in Canada. And they brought in uh, some other small people like, um, well, not small, but like angels, people who can't cut like multi-million dollar checks. Um, and it was all great. Just lots of great advice. Like uh, Damien from Omers actually gave a great talk on basically why you never want VC money. And it was a really refreshing look at the actual business behind VC, uh, which kind of gives you this crazy view of like, oh, shit, that's why they pressure people to sell their companies. <laughs> I get it now. Like, I never got it before. Now I get it. So it was really, really, really good for us. Um, so the program itself kind of took us from, I'd say we like were a bunch of bumbling, not a bunch of bumbling idiots, but we're kind of bumbling idiots with this idea that we thought was cool that had a bit of traction and then coming out of the program we were like oh we need to achieve this one fucking thing and if we do that then we're going to do this next one fucking thing so instead of like i think we had like 90 features on the website when we went in we have like three now <laughs> so it's a lot of that happened basically that's awesome and so you, you spoke a little bit about like the responsibility to prove out the business model was on your shoulder so how did you do that in montreal in the context of like were you were you like calling up tattoo shops or just asking a bunch of people like what 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 did you ultimately do to kind of figure out how to make money yeah um the, the majority is basically what you said i mean this podcast is a great title for hack to start because that's really what it is man it's all band-aids and duct tape and shit like we we walked the strip we walked into shops we we did hard pitches. We A, B tested our hard pitches in shops. Like we were actually telling shops like, hey, we're from Tattoo Hero and we do X, Y, Z. And then I walk in the next shop and I'd be like, hey, we're from Tattoo Hero and we do F, B, J. And they're like, what? Like, so just seeing like, how do they react to this idea? How do they react to not only just the, the copy, but like this completely different idea. So a lot of that happened. Um, at the same time, we, we had a lot of meetings just with tattooed individuals because a big, big important part for us was community. And we always knew it would be. So that we didn't have to prove, but we had to figure out or prove that we could actually build an effective community. So um, we tested with our early adopters, the people who actually had already signed up for the website when it was like built on a clunky-ass WordPress site. Now it's a beautiful Ruby and Rails application. Um, but like talking to them, uh, understanding what they needed, what features, what functionality they wanted. Uh, a lot of it was the UX process, very design driven. So it's not like we just said like, oh, if you, do you want a button here that sends an email to your friends? It was more like, okay, you're going to go, you're thinking about getting a tattoo. What's the first thing you do? And a lot of people said, well, I get out like a notebook and I like start writing ideas down and I start sketching stuff. And then I go and I do this and I look at inspiration. It was, so we fully understood the whole process and then we thought, okay, well, what parts of this can we digitize today? And then we've got a whole backlog of like what we can digitize tomorrow when we have the time and have the funding and <laughs> everything like that. So, um, yeah, initial traction, man, pure hustle, just phone calls like crazy, walking in, um, finding websites and finding emails through either grunt work or web scraping and sending them an email and like doing shit that frankly, if someone did to me, I'd totally be like, oh, where did this email come from? But hoping that the copy and that, you know, what you were trying to really give them was enough value that they're going to forgive you basically for it. And um, it worked really well for us. We had, uh, over in, we had about a 90% conversion rate on, wow. uh, on all our pitches. So that's like crazy high. Huge. Um, yeah, thanks. So it was crazy high. Um, and then we, some of the people who declined, like declined vehemently. They were very angry about getting an email out of nowhere. And, you know, we tried to have conversations. Ultimately, we didn't have any really bad experiences, but... You know, you just got to kind of do what you got to do to get it, get it off the ground. 
That's awesome. Um, so Founder Fuel was three months, and it's been several months uh, since you've graduated from the program. So where is Tattoo Hero now, and uh, how big is the team? Yeah, so in Founder Fuel, we were a team of three. Uh, three co-founders, myself, Mendow, and Steve Tannehill. Um, we are now six full-time individuals. So we brought on two engineering, so that's Paulo Ruda and Henry Kushkowitz, if I said that right. Sorry, Henry. Uh, and then uh, we've also brought on a sort of marketing, um, well, head of business development is basically her title, which means she gets to talk to everybody, and it's Amber Allen. So she uh, she helps us find suppliers, she talks to artists, she does customer support, She she's pretty much the face now, <laughs> um, which is great, because she's way better looking than me. <laughs> there's, so, there's less um, beard. Yeah, exactly. Way less beard. Um, but yeah, so since then, I mean, we uh, found a fuel at the time. So I don't know what it is now. But at the time when we joined, it was a $50,000 investment. Uh, it has changed now. And I know that they have a hardware track and a software track and they're two different investment levels for those who may wonder after this. Um, but basically, that was 50K in. Um, when we got out of that, we received a $150,000 convertible note from uh, Business Development Canada's S. SPI program. Um, so that helped us a lot. Plus, we've matched uh, some angel investments. So some local angels here in Ottawa and some angels from uh, San Francisco and uh, Montreal have put in a little bit of cash. And that's kind of what's given us the ramp room to bring on the three other full-time individuals and continue more or less breathing as a company for the last uh, last few months. Um, where we're at now, traction. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing well. We're proving it out. Uh, we're going to be shipping the beta of our actual software application, which we now build software applications for tattoo shops that basically run their business. Uh, kind of takes all that business stuff away from the artists who don't really want to do it. Um, and we're like a week out from the beta launching. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, great traction. We've been growing 36.5% month over month. Um, with uh, tattoo shops and tattoo artists. So it's good. Uh, if you can't tell, I'm a little tired, but it's good. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good t- kind of tired to be, though. Right? <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. So, so you mentioned two things there uh, a little while ago, and I'll take one and I'll let Tyler, as the designer, kind of handle the second one. But uh, yeah. so you, you mentioned that community was, was going to be a big uh, kind of component of Tattoo Hero and of the growth, and you guys were conscious of that at the beginning. So how did you go about building out that community making people you know, feel involved and, and reaching out to, to some of the different players, whether that's tattoo artists or tattoo fans. Uh, I mean, how did you guys kind of scope that out from the very get-go? Yeah, so I can admit from the very beginning, we didn't have grand schemes. We didn't think that uh, we were going to do that. We just wanted to kind of build this thing that connected people like one-to-one. We said, oh, you want to get a tattoo? Here you go, man. Talk to Frank or talk to this guy. And um, and we didn't have community assets. So at the beginning, it was through basic email. Just like people would sign up, we'd send them an email. It kind of said, hey, welcome to Tattoo Hero. Had a cheesy photo of the founders and just sort of asked them to do some stuff. So upload pictures, do this. Like You could do this on the website. What started to kind of happen where people were commenting a lot on photos, so like visual assets, and then these conversations would sort of start happening. So that sort of started saying to us, okay, well, we need to care about this and find a way for people to engage better. Uh, I can admit we still haven't implemented that. The community update's coming once the software shipped. But um, the way that we fostered the community and why it's so important is, I mean, the tattooing community is super tight, uh, very, very close-knit individuals. Uh, if you meet one tattoo artist, they know like at least 50 others. Uh, they, they attend functions together. They guest spot with each other. They're very, very close. And if you can imagine... When you're sitting in a chair getting like a sleeve done, you're hanging out with a person for like 20 hours and they're like 
tattooing you like your skin's getting pierced multiple times so you're, you're kind of having this like weird very odd experience that you know most people won't share in their lifetime and uh you just become really fast friends so it's it's really really cool because when you when you find someone who's gotten that kind of connection it can be extremely powerful as we all know like net promoter scores we all track them down to the friggin you know i think third decimal but basically we knew that if we did it right and we built a product that people in this community enjoyed um, they'll tell their friends, they'll tell their artists about it. And uh, the number one way that we've grown has been SEO. So search engine optimization has been huge for us. Um, luckily, with the visual web assets and, and developing that, it's been very successful. And, uh, and then word of mouth. So the problem with word of mouth, as we all know as marketers, is very untrackable. It's very difficult to track. So net promoter is basically the best you can do. Um, and we're averaging like an 8.2. So it's very good. And that's for the community side. So what we're doing now is we're actually getting ready to launch our ambassador program. We found great people in major cities who know a lot about us and, and like what we're doing. And so they're bringing to our attention all the small events that we could never find from being based out of like Ottawa. doesn't matter where we are, but I would never know what's going on in L.A. quite like someone in L.A. would. So they're bringing to our attention like these cool, like curated events, art shows, you know, um, Bill Murray art exhibits, like whatever, like really cool stuff where these artists are going to play. And that's kind of our next step for uh, for the community side of things. That's wicked. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so with the Tattoo Hero website um, and the product that you guys will be launching shortly, how critical is this, the design aspect of it? <laughs> Priority number one. Um, Pretty much like design is so damn important. I drank the Kool-Aid obviously when I joined IBM. Uh, I was all about design. Um, you know, when I, anyway, <laughs> I drank the Kool-Aid. So uh, design at, at uh, Tattoo Hero is not only important because like just think for a second, right? We're asking really amazing artists to use something. So if you ask a really amazing artist to use something that looks like garbage, they're going to tell you to fuck off. Uh, that's pretty much the way it ends. So when they hit our website for the first time and they see the word mark, they see the style, they see the minimalistic sort of approach, they see everything that men's frankly put into it, um, they're entranced. So I think we've had obviously a few people bounce, um, but number wise, it's, it's still crazy high. So not only is that first impression important, the second impression of, hey, I'm going to host my portfolio of work on this website like, are you going to put your portfolio of work on a garbage looking website? No. So it kind of like second point was like really close to home, clearly reinforced design being is super important. Third point, you know, they're an artist by profession. So they've spent hundreds to thousands of hours. I believe, you know, Malcolm Godwell, 10,000 hours, like sketching, designing, practicing, tattooing. Like when you first get started, you usually tattoo synthetic skin or pig skin. So doing that, apprenticing under someone, it's a very apprentice-driven trade and like tons of work going into just getting better at their art. So then when you ask them to like connect to an SQL database, like it's not going to happen. So we, we used user experience, you know, again, it's design, but we were using user experience to make an onboarding process as seamless as possible and making it so that the technology really, really does operate itself. And the input fields for the artist are so clear that um, there's never any concern. Of course, we've got, you know, intercom set up. We've got one-to-one. -one. We'll message them. We'll talk back and forth. They run into issues. But, like, we, we use a Hill methodology that's basically, like, you need to basically hit the website and you should have a shop up and running in a minute. 
if you can't have a shop up and running in a minute, we fucked up and we're sorry and we will fix it. And um, the team's really behind that. So our engineering team's fantastic uh, for that. They all have a design sort of head uh, beyond just being able to write really good code so <laughs> and rapidly scalable and all those things. But yeah, so design has been it's stupidly important. And if you go to our store front, which is store.tattooer.com, you'll even see that we've really cared about like just the clothing we make. I say that as I'm wearing like a Founder Fuel hoodie right now, but um, <laughs> and we those, make those cranking uh, underwear there. <laughs> yeah, the cracking underwear, man. I got them in now. Uh, well, there you go, in stock. Bam! <laughs> Get your Christmas presents. That's right. That's right. I'm gonna wear them all the time. I'm he gonna could, be the model, so I don't know if you actually want to check them out. <laughs> he could be wearing them now, and we'd never know. Ooh, it's true. But uh, but yeah. So I mean, that even that was a huge part of us, and that was part of the community too. Um, people love wearing, you know, love wearing something that looks great. But then they also are connected to this to this bigger bigger company. So having a face has been really important to us, and transparency and, and everything like that. So with the storefront, is that just something parallel you guys are are going to be building out um, as you're rolling out the new updates with your product? Yeah, uh, the storefront is definitely not a like business model really approach it is not supposed to be a revenue generator it is not supposed to be like a great way to, for us to all like get rich we make very very little off it it's very much designed to be something that someone in the community who loves tattoo hero who wants to represent it um can kind of take part and it's it's one way it it does feel a little weird we obviously have a bunch of freeways just sign up for an account you can browse photos collect them like them do all sorts of stuff check out great artists tell your artists about it um but if you want to wear like a branded shirt and kind of say like, Hey, I'm, I'm part of this, like stand up and sort of say that you're part of this community. Then that's the way that we've decided to do it. And we put a lot of care and attention to, into it. We were very grateful to be hosted by uh, lovely ladies at two horses tattoo studio in Montreal to do the photo shoot. So if you check out the photos, like they're fantastic. The studio was unbelievable, uh, unbelievably hot too. They had no air conditioning and I think it was like 36 degrees Celsius that day. Um, but it's, it was, it was a wonderful experience. And, uh, a lot of the people who buy our, our work generally send us a, an Instagram or something back, like once they get the stuff and then it's like, they're like, yes, like we've had suicide girls, uh, send us photos and like post on their Instagram accounts when they get like t-shirts from us. Um, and That's it's when you know, you've made it when the suicide yeah. girl is, yeah. <laughs> you know, you've made it. Yeah. No, but it, it just feels great. It feels really great. And so the whole purpose of that is just the community stuff. It's the design. It's, it's that next sort of level um and not not about money so speaking about the next level and like what so what is the next level for you guys what do you guys have planned for the next couple months uh what's the focus on and, and where's tattoo he hero headed uh, yeah i mean we have two major objectives right now that's it and it, it's great for a from a teamwork standpoint but major objective number one is build our software so get our our mvp out of our SaaS software um and get it into the hands of as many betas as we can. Um, luckily, we've got a great customer list curated already, but we want to, you know, be careful about who we're testing with because obviously things are going to break. So get that out, get it ready, and then ultimately fix all the bugs that come with a the beta. Then ship, and uh, we'll be shipping hopefully at the Portland, Oregon tattoo show, um, like full fledged shipping. And then priority other number one is uh, getting ready for our seed round. So we're um, we're basically getting ready to raise uh, $750,000 right now. Um, and that's going to give us 18 months of ramp room to basically keep building out the rest of the vision. So it's uh, it's an exciting time for us, but obviously extremely busy. So I've been spending most of my time uh, just in meetings, setting up meetings and, and talking with uh, people who are interested in our company. 
uh, from a financial investment point of view, and then uh, hanging out with the dev team and doing product stuff um, as much as possible as well. What are some of the, uh, just, just a random question, what are some of the most uh, commonly used apps on your phone right now? Me? Yeah, well, you. Pull, pull that sucker out. What's on it? It's going down. It's going down. Ooh, I've got like 20 text messages. I feel important. Um, mailbox. Oh, yes. Hip chat. Hell yes, that's our team tool. We tried to use Slack and we, we weren't really fans. Uh, Instagram. Uh, human. I don't know if you got the human app. It's like a That's contact. a calendar app, right? It's a new yeah, calendar it, app? Yeah, it's like a calendar and a contact management app. It's mainly a contact management app. It's in beta right now. That thing is fucking unbelievable, uh, frankly. Like, just use it for its onboarding process. I actually sent a tweet to the founder. I'm like, dude, this is the first time in a while that I've had a big smile on my face onboarding in an app, like in forever. Like... It was really good, but like they can do cool shit. Like, you know, you can literally do contextual search. Like, who did I meet in Montreal? And it will show you all the phone numbers that you added in your phone when you were in Montreal. It's it's really cool. Um, other than that, like heavy usages. I mean, zero application for my financial accounting purposes. Uh, that's that's great. <laughs> and then podcasts, man. I, I love podcasts. It's like I'm like addicted to them when I have to drive to Toronto, Montreal. Um, and then, you know, your standards, Twitter, Facebook, uh, I use the basic applications. I use tweet, but for a bit, didn't like it. Product hunt, product hunt is on here. For sure. Uh, and paper and Evernote. Those are kind of my, my go-tos. Baller. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us, man. That, uh, that was awesome. Uh, that's about it for this, uh, episode of hack to start. You can find all the important links below the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at hack to start and sign up for our newsletter to get more information about new episodes, behind the scenes content and more. Thanks for listening. See you next time.